Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Cents on the Dollar podcast. Today, I'll be talking about what could be the most significant health risk to teens around the country, jewels. I'll be looking into the dangerous e-cigarette fad, how it all began, and how Juul has marketed and designed products to get teens addicted. Before the show starts, I'd just like to remind everyone to subscribe if you enjoy Cents on the Dollar and want to make sure that you don't miss any future episodes. And now on to today's show. For those that have not heard of Juul, spelled J-U-U-L, it is the most popular brand of e-cigarettes, which are cigarette-like machines that one can smoke. It is incredibly popular among middle and high school students across the country. Juuling, also known as vaping because of the vapor it creates, actually gives users a higher dose of nicotine than traditional cigarettes. Vaping does not appear to be linked to many of the major health risks of smoking, including lung cancer, but there is still a definite possibility that it may be. Originally, e-cigarettes were created in order to help smokers quit by fulfilling their nicotine cravings but reducing risk of lung cancer. However, their main use today has unfortunately shifted from smokers trying to quit to teenagers vaping just for fun. The teen juuling epidemic has reached staggering new heights in the past few years. The National Institute of Health reports that over 37% of high school seniors have vaped in the previous year, and 21% in the past 30 days. Even more concerning, 11% of 8th graders have vaped, and the FDA estimates that, in total, 3.6 million middle and high school students have vaped nationwide in the past year. The National Center for Health Research states that nicotine is, quote, known to impair brain and lung development if used during adolescence, unquote, and jewels have even more nicotine than traditional cigarettes. Clearly, jeweling is incredibly popular among teens, and this is a major concern. The question is, why do so many teens jewel, and how did it achieve its massive popularity? First off, Juul has crafted a product that appeals directly to teens. Every aspect of jeweling is created by Juul Labs to feel exciting and exclusive. For starters, the Juul device itself feels and looks high quality. Each Juul is a long, thin rectangle looking like a USB drive or pencil lead holder. It is an incredibly sleek device, all gray except for a black mouthpiece at the end. Jewel pods, the cartridges that contain the nicotine, flavor, and other chemicals, have the same clean look. All one needs to do is insert the liquid-filled pod and it's ready to go. Jewel even brags on their website that their product is, quote, easy to use, no buttons or switches, just insert the pod to get started. Experience freedom from ash and odor, no mess, no fuss, unquote. Clearly, Such claims are not built to attract those trying to stop smoking. It doesn't say anything about nicotine levels, success rates of smokers trying to quit, or anything of the sort. It's very clear that it is marketing towards those focused on minimalism, ease of use, and those trying not to leave any evidence of their jeweling. In other words, teens. One of the most interesting aspects of the jewel epidemic is that jewel must both market to teens 
by far their largest customer base, but do so in a way that is not direct enough to warrant punishment from the FDA. In response to the major health risk posed to teens around the country, the Federal Drug Administration looked into Juul's marketing tactics and ruled in September 2018 that Juul and other e-cigarette companies would have 60 days to adjust their marketing plans to curtail the, quote, epidemic of youth vaping. If they failed to do so, the FDA would ban some or all of the flavored Juul pods, those most popular and appealing to teens. This provides insight into the building of the line I previously mentioned regarding the lack of ash and ease of use. As I noted, this is a line built to attract the interest of teens. But the key here is that it is not transparently teen-oriented. Upon analysis, it is clear that it is not meant to convince smokers to use Juul. It is meant for teens. However, if the FDA were to consider this a violation of their instruction, Juul Labs would have more than enough grounds to dispute the claim or appeal, classifying it as simply a comment on the cleanliness of their product. The main reason the FDA imposed these restrictions was the concerning nature of Juul's early advertisements and marketing campaigns. Unlike the ads aimed at teens today, Juul's ads from a few years ago were not subtle. It was very clearly a campaign meant to increase teen usage. One ad campaign that has garnered a lot of attention in the wake of the FDA investigation is one from 2015. The 20 advertisement series is centered around the word vaporized. The ads feature laughing, smiling, 20-something models with, of course, a jewel in hand. Behind them is a background of neon blues, yellows, and pinks, and the word vaporized, in all caps and huge font, overlays the entire image. Interestingly, written in the corner is the hashtag SmokingEvolved. These ads obviously call out directly to teens. There are flashy colors to grab teens' attention, a hashtag meant for social media, a quick, exclusive-sounding takeaway, the word vaporized, and of course, young, attractive people jeweling. One thing that is very alarming and played a role in the FDA's investigation is the similarity in Juul's early ads, including the vaporized series I just mentioned, and those of tobacco and cigarette giant Philip Morris's ads from its early days. The Philip Morris advertisements contain young, attractive people holding and smoking cigarettes, just as those from Juul did. Philip Morris ads are also infamous for the misleading, or just plainly incorrect, seal of approval from doctors. While Juul doesn't plaster such information on their ads, they do make it a large part of their website, public statements, and overall brand. And in the ad campaigns for the Marlboro brand, which Philip Morris also owns, there is a theme of recklessness and rebelliousness that mirrors the vaporized campaign. One ad is captioned, No More Maybe, implying that teens should take the jump, be courageous, and rebel, and live how they want to. Of course, in Marlboro's mind, that life includes a cigarette. This message is echoed by the background image of a rock star midair jumping into the arms of crazed fans. Yet, the similarity to Philip Morris and the FDA investigation hasn't nearly stopped Juul from trying to sell their products to teens. 
An influencer, for those who don't know, is someone who is famous on social media and said to influence the purchases of their followers by promoting a certain product, wearing a certain brand of clothing, or something of the sort. In 2015, Jewel Labs handed out free e-cigarettes at music festivals and other events with high concentrations of influencers. Not only did this get everyone who got a free Jewel hooked on the high doses of nicotine, but it led some of the influencers who tried vaping to promote Juul to teens, and looking at the data on teen Juuling percentages, it would seem that that campaign worked. Another example of Juul trying to appeal to teens is the flavors they offer. Pods come in cool, fun, and exciting flavors, including cucumber, mint, fruit, creme brulee, and the most popular, mango. Obviously, these are not traditional flavors. They are meant to seem fun, and importantly, innocent. In a strange way, jeweling with these funky flavors is like eating candy. The perceived innocence of jeweling with a mango pod is comparable to that of eating a piece of fruity candy, and that is a major problem. One main reason for this problem is the way that jewel is marketed. One key way marketing has affected teen perception is that it has minimized the perceived risks of jeweling. Because Juul is advertised as a safer alternative to cigarettes, a way to get nicotine with very few health risks, teens tend to absorb this information and subconsciously downplay the risks of jeweling, just as is done in the ad and marketing campaigns. Another one of the most important marketing strategies Juul employs is the dissociation of its own brand from traditional cigarette smoking. Other than the underlying tactics used in both Jules and Philip Morris's ads, there is very little that the two companies have in common. From a young age, children are taught that smoking is incredibly unhealthy and dangerously addictive. Whether they hear from parents, teachers, or even commercials on TV, children understand that they should stay away from cigarettes. Juul has smartly done everything in their power to separate themselves from these lessons. In order to do this, Juul has created products and marketing campaigns that seem distinctly not cigarette-like. Take, for example, the look of the Juul itself. It's long, thin, and incredibly sleek looking. It is defined by sharp angles, and its only two colors are gray and black. Upon juxtaposing this with the design of the traditional cigarette, it is clear that there are very few to no similarities. The shape is different, the colors are different, and the entire look is different. Clearly, Juul, founded by two Stanford graduates, has taken all the right steps in both marketing and design to achieve maximum sales. They have been able to effectively get a high percentage of an entire generation physically dependent on their product and I wouldn't be surprised if they continued to be successful for years to come. Yet, as a result of this, there are millions of children around the country addicted to one of the most dangerous drugs in the world. It just goes to show what the right marketing can do. That's all for this episode of Sense on the Dollar, but before you go, if you want to get a sneak peek of next month's episode, stick around. I'll be right back after the break. Welcome back. Next month on the show, I will be unveiling a brand new sub-series of Cents on the Dollar, 
in which I will discuss rival companies strongly competing with one another for teen market share. The first two companies I will be discussing are Spotify and Apple Music, titans of the music streaming industry. I'll be going into detail about the different features each one offers to attract teenage customers, the difference in the themes and feel of their user interfaces, exclusive deals they sign with artists, and more. As always, make sure you subscribe to Cents on the Dollar so you don't miss any new episodes. If you would like to get emails regarding Cents on the Dollar, as well as updates about any other podcasts or initiatives I may pursue, visit joshuakindler.com and type your email in the subscribe box. Thank you so much for listening.